0: Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to be a Good Manager. And today is the first installment of our TNR 2.0 interview session with Sherry Miter. So let's uh, set this up. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And I can't remember if we talked last week. I think we did, but this week has already seemed to be a very long, long week.
1: It has. You know, I was just talking to someone today. We were saying that January has been slow and fast at the same time. It seemed, you know, it's the same day over and over again. And in Canada, we're locked down again. In Ontario, we're locked down again, at least most of our listeners uh, around the world. And I know I talked to a friend of mine in Pennsylvania yesterday, and he says, well, at least we're not locked down. But it feels, it feels slow. But then you know it's the end of january already so uh in the frozen north we're excited because that means springs are coming so uh, uh we're excited about that
0: yeah but i'm looking at my window here and it's still snowing and i think i have to go back out again and what i think about the lockdown mentality is we're approaching two years and a, a big chunk of that uh we have been locked down and i know my my youngest son just lived over lives over the border in mississauga and for like 10 months they're in a severe lockdown i don't know what it's going to be like when we're done um, I don't know how quickly I will adjust to going out because now you just kind of steal out and go to the store or, or something like that and then you come home again. And I am literally running out of things to watch on the streaming services. We are getting down to the nitty gritty right now, Greg. So I'm looking for some more titles. I think I've watched everything from Australia, uh, anything I want to watch from the UK. And uh, I am seriously, um, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to tell you some of the things that I've been watching. So I need some new uh, titles. So if anybody has any titles and they could send us an email and let us know because uh, I'm
1: getting bored. Well, I think I may have told you this. I'm not sure if I told this on, my, on our last podcast, but my new series is called Anxious People. It's out of Sweden, but it's actually from one of my favorite books of the year called Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. And uh, it is curious, interesting, relational, fun, um, interesting. And uh, so it's on Netflix. So that's my, uh, you know, where this isn't the, the podcast to share uh, movies and, uh, and videos and uh, TV shows. But sometimes you got to, especially in January.
0: Do I have to think if I listen to this uh, show?
1: No, you can put on the British, put on the British subtitles. So they are they they um, um, uh, I can't remember what they call it, but uh, where they sound British. And and the mouths look pretty pretty close. Swedish is a little bit hard to follow with the uh, it's too much to think, especially on a Friday night. So
0: okay, I will uh, check it out for sure because I think we just finished one on the weekend and we're looking for something else. But uh, well, let's move on here. Um, for those of you just dropping in on our series, uh, Greg and I have spent big chunks of our career as managers uh, in various organizations. Uh, we have benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. We have been hosting this podcast series dealing how we and others have missed the mark. And uh, as we work through this podcast, we realize there may be topics, struggles, or experiences that aren't our own and that we should welcome others to the diner table to uh, have a conversation with us. Uh, Talking not Ranting 2.0 is where we're getting a chance to learn and grow from others' experience in managing and being managed. Great experiences which helped others grow and maybe uh, less great experiences which also help people to grow. This is where we get a chance to talk with folks that are going, uh, doing some great work to enhance the workplace and, uh, and turn it into what Greg likes to call safe, brave spaces. Just a little plug for your book there, Greg.
1: Uh, thanks. Thank you,
0: And as in everything else we do, uh, we want to have a good, healthy conversation. I think, Greg, we're going to have a good conversation today.
1: Oh, yes, I know we are. Uh, Sherry and I, I'm excited to have uh, Sherry join us on the on this, uh, on our program. And is it over to me, Alistair? Over to you. Fantastic. So, Sherry and I met um, on a program last summer. Uh, a, a colleague of mine had this uh, program where they brought down together different consultants. And, you know, I love when you just meet great people through those circumstances and so uh, we happen to be on the same uh, panel that we talked to and we and then i participate and listened to some of the other panels where sherry provides some perspective and i thought wow it would be great to have sherry join us um sherry uh, mitre is is a visionary strategist a gallup certified strengths coach and we're going to spend some time on the strengths uh i love the gallup strengths i i think This is going to date me, but I I think it's like 20 years ago when the book first came out, um, I was just struck by it. And, you know, I was working with some clients recently and they were all so excited. So we're going to talk about that. Um, But and also an E2Grow partner want to ask you some questions about that, too. And is passionate about creating highly successful and happier entrepreneurs, leaders and teams. With an entrepreneurial spirit, Sherry uses her strengths to create a a successful 26-year career in in a network marketing company. Despite many of life's challenges, she was able to lead her sales team, which I think was like 100 people, uh, to uh, the top 1% of the company, hitting major milestones along the way. Then COVID hit, and as many of us, creates us to rethink you know there's people are talking about the great um, uh, the great uh, resignation but it's shifted now because people are talking about the the great reset or the great reflection. So sherry you were a part of that great reflection and you saw an opportunity to uh, really impact uh, and help folks with regards to that and bring solutions especially to those local businesses that were struggling. so you retired and started your company and now you're on a chart to uh, uh, help help small businesses and public sector organizations really by navigating their strengths. And I love this quote you share, when I finally understood and untapped into my God-given talents and the power of living within my strengths, I was unable to unlock the barriers that had been holding you back from the success I was seeing in my career. Working with strengths set you free. And I am so excited to talk more about that because I do believe that is such an important aspect. Um, when not coaching, consulting or creating her podcast, Sherry loves to spend times with her four plus grandchildren, travel and set, sell an adventure with her husband of 36 years. And we actually had a conversation uh, uh, a week or two back and I got to meet uh, virtually uh, some of your family members and it was so awesome. And I think that's our world today, right? It's just uh getting to know each other on a much deeper basis, although it's through a little, little screen on, a, on your computer. So we're so excited. Welcome, Sherry, to Talking Not Ranting.
2: Well, thank you for having me, Greg and Alistair. I'm excited to join you at the table for this conversation today. Yeah, Greg, you did meet. You, you got to spend a moment when I was out visiting the grandchildren, so that was quite interesting, yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: It is funny because it ha- we have to adapt and that is life today and, you know, supporting each other and supporting your daughter and her kids, you know, that's just what we got to do. So that was nice. Nice to get a, a chance to uh, um, uh, experience that with you as well. So we're going to dive in and, and you know, Sherry, as we've talked about, our, our podcast is really just learning from our experience, the things that we've done well, the things that we haven't done so well. And we are going to spend some time later on talking about the strength space because I really think there's power that. but at first we just wanted to, you to share some of your experience that have helped you grow as a as a leader, as a manager. You had 26 years as a top performer in uh, in your in your roles and, and so I'd love you to just share you know what are some of the things that helped you grow and some might have been things you learned that were really uh, positive and maybe some things that weren't so positive but that you still grew from.
2: right, right. definitely. I mean, I said, I spent 26 years in that field and 20 of that leading a team. And you were right. It was, you know, we were around 100 when I decided to step away from that. And as I kind of reflected on that question, really it were, you know, the mentors, the mentors that I had. And there were three that really stuck out at me or to me as I was, you know, going back and thinking about that. One my very first mentor, as I was moving up the career path in, my, in that field, she, her strength was she just loved me unconditionally. Like it was almost in, she was almost like a mother that in her eyes, I felt like I could do no wrong and that she just loved me whether I was messing up or I was doing really well. And at that point in my career, I just needed that love and that support. So she provided that for me. And then my next major mentor that I had, she was that when I was ready to really move from being in the beginning stages to really do something with my career, she was the one that came alongside me and and taught me more of the how to be a leader skills. And so she was more of that trainer for me, that educator for me. And she still loved me unconditionally, but in a different way than that first mentor did. So I feel like everything happens for a reason, and you know she came along beside me, ahead of me, at that perfect moment when I was really ready to step into the next level for my career. Um, and then you know she also was pretty good at knowing when it was time to let me find my own way and find my own path, and that was also really important. And then the last mentor who really stood out for me was the one who introduced me to strengths. And he was actually from a, the corporate end of the business. And he taught me about strengths and he came along and I was able to, very privileged to plug into him. And he really helped me understand who I was at my absolute best. Because the first two mentors guided me along the the manual path, I should say, <laughs> of how to do it, you know, the, the appropriate way, the way it was supposed to be done. Where is that last mentor? He taught me how to find my way and to own my strengths and combine the two. And all three really helped me tremendously at the right time at the right moment.
1: I love that. And I, you know, I love especially, well, all of them actually. And that that uh, it, it really kind of resonates with me this whole idea that I have around safe brave spaces. So safe is actually almost creating a space where you feel confident and comfortable and are able to test and try different things and that type of thing, but also a little bit of pushing the brave, little bit of pushing, you know, that person who taught you and, and kind of gave you some of the tools that you can, can, uh, can go. And, and then the last person around the strengths, and that's uh, like really kind of helping you make your, make it your own. And that, and uh, that's that's such an important uh, aspect of that. And, uh, and and you mentioned in your in your profile, you know, there were challenges that you had to go through. And how did leaders show up differently for you to help you through challenges?
2: Mm. And and again, it depends on each leader was different. Um, the first one that I mentioned, when there were like life things happening that. I couldn't work as hard as I wanted to or that I had been she was very good at nurturing me and letting me you know have that space that maybe I needed to step back a little bit and take care of the personal things going on in my life um, Mm -hmm. at those those times and then that that other mentor that I mentioned the middle one she was good at almost knowing when okay yes you, you've you had this personal challenge going on. You know, there was my husband was deployed a couple of times. I'm home raising three boys. You know, at one point, my mother had terminal cancer. So there was a lot of personal stuff through this whole journey. But she also could read when it was time to kind of push me a little bit mm. and say, okay, we we've dealt with this, but I know there's still so much more in you. I know you really want to do more. I know you really want to achieve more and you're not, you're, you're starting to play small, Hmm. you know, we've dealt with this situation the best we can, but now let's, let's go do this. And I needed that too. You know, I needed that space to deal with the family, but then I also needed somebody to say, okay, all right, let's kind of dust ourselves off here and, and get back to, Working towards the goals that we had initially, and I respect her for that—that that she was able to kind of sense that when it was re- when I was ready for that push.
1: Wow, that's really great. And it's it's as a leader, uh, it, it, how 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 did you did you learn from that? As to now becoming a leader, like what what do you think were some of the things that she um, that that you maybe learned after that? Of how do you tell when someone. You need to give space. Uh, And how do you tell when you need to, you know, it's time to nudge? That's a a little bit of uh, art and science probably.
2: Definitely an art. And and I've never gotten as good as her in that. (laughs) She was very big. And this will make more sense when we get into really talking about the strengths of the four domains. Um, But she really led with relationship building. So she was very, I think it almost came naturally to her. Um, whereas like for myself, I lead with command and activator. And sometimes I just want to get it and jump in and and do something. And I've made that mistake of not really reading the situation as well as I could have and tried to push people when they weren't ready to be pushed or let them stay too long in the, the other place. And they never really came back. Because they settled, they got they settled too much or too long, and stayed in that settling place. Um, so it definitely is an art, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I'll be honest, <laughs>
0: Sherry. That you, you kind of described a, a really healthy environment that you came up through, especially in that initial big chunk of employment. What specifically did you appreciate about uh, the people that either mentored you or the leadership that helped? create that environment where you could grow, uh, as a person, as a, a, a professional, as a, as a leader, where, what were some of the things that you appreciated about that environment there?
2: Hmm. Well, a lot of what I, you know, had already shared that they just seemed to know how to read and whether it was that I support you, I believe in you, or it was, I need, I need training because there's a difference. You know, sometimes we need, as, you know, people moving up or as a manager, you need to read, okay, does this person actually just need more training to feel more confident? Or do they just need to be told, hey, you're doing really good. And I remember there were actually times that I would call up. So the middle mentor was the person that I, she was with me the longest. And I remember calling her up sometimes and just saying, you know what, Maureen? I just need to hear I'm awesome. I just need to hear I'm wonderful. I just need to hear I can do this because, you know, we all have those days that we lose our vision. We lose our confidence and something happens. Maybe somebody else said something and it just like, you know, it takes the wind out of your sails and you wonder if you can even do this anymore, whatever this is. And, Most of the time, she was good about honoring that, but I did learn that I had to let her know that this is what I need from you today. I'm not looking for training today. I just need a boost in my confidence and and tell me I can do this. Whereas other times there would be, no, I need a how-to. Like I'm stuck here. Show me how to do this. I have the confidence today, but I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's... Having that, but I did realize with her, I actually did have to be explicit with what I needed because there were times before we really established that clear relationship that, and I felt comfortable letting her know what I, what I needed. I, I do remember times of calling her up and I needed to be told I can do this. And she went into teaching mode and I realized that wasn't what I needed. And I really, as I was mentoring my consultants, I would really try to remember that and how I felt on that receiving end. And again, I was not always perfect at that. I know I totally blew it so many times on those conversations, but I would try to remember to really listen first. What do they really need here? Do they just need to hear they can do this or do they need to hear the how-to, the strategy? I don't know if I answered your question at all, Alex, or not? that. <laughs> I think
0: you did. I, I think what you were experiencing, uh, they were being very discerning. And even in the occasions when they might not have known exactly what you needed, you were able to articulate that to them. And now you're doing the same thing to the people that are responsible to you. And you're, you're, you're stepping out there and using discernment. Okay. What do they need today? Do they need correction? Do they need training? Do they just need a pat on the back? What is it? And I I think that's a really healthy environment, uh, especially in a situation where maybe the two parties don't know what somebody needs and there's a conversation and you're assertive. And maybe they ask you, uh, you know, what do you need from me today? I, I think that's a really healthy environment because Uh, I've been a manager for years and years and years and there's times when uh, the person comes in the office, they go, what do you actually need from me today? And that's a healthy conversation. Like I'm not going to have the answer all the time when they walk in. I just don't, you know, maybe I don't know them that well. Maybe I don't see them that well. I just think that's a, a really good environment.
1: One of the things I loved about what you said, Sherry, was there's a couple of things, but one was in in our podcast, normally what we do is we take the perspective of the manager and then the perspective of the employee. And you shared with us a couple of different, really great insights is sometimes as an employee, you you need to share what you need. Sometimes we're not mind readers as leaders. We don't know. And, and if you're remote, that makes it even more challenging, but sometimes you don't even know. And so the more you can be articulate and be able to say, Hey, here's what I need. I love that. The other thing that really strikes me, and I, I, I really, uh, I can't wait to get into the strength finding is that sometimes our strength, really knowing yourself is really important for me some of the strengths that, and I did it, you sent me the link, I loved it. And I read to my wife and she's oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's great. But some of them can be overused. So being aware of who you are and understanding how you impact, I think is, is often very, very key. And we'll talk about that. So your, you know, your, your, your middle mentor was a great trainer and a great relational, um, but sometimes that's not what the person needs. Uh, And you have to be able to read that. So I love those ideas and thoughts around that, both from a manager's perspective and as an employee perspective. And how do you learn from each of those? That is uh, really awesome.
2: Right. And a lot comes back to having, and I'll use your words, Greg, you know, that safe, brave space that you create an atmosphere that whether it is the manager or the team member saying, this is what I really need and feeling comfortable. Being able to express that that takes a while to grow that trust, that relationship and being able to have that honesty with what they're really looking for.
1: Yeah, I agree 100 percent. So uh, so I guess the other question we asked is, you know, those that we've talked a little bit about uh, things where they've gone really well. And uh, I'm wondering if uh, we often learn just as much from those things that don't go so well. Um, so, uh, not sure if you have any experiences that you, uh, that you said, well, you're either something that you did as a leader or something that you experienced as a, a team member that, that wasn't as good, but it's a good learning.
2: Well, there's a lot, I don't know how long this podcast is, but I could...
0: <laughs> I think we have enough tape um, for eight hours.
2: Right. Okay. <laughs> I think I could get to half of them then. Um, You know, for myself as the leader, um, one I kind of already addressed is just trying to really be that good listener. And I wasn't that, that took a long time for me to really, really do that because, again, I am one, my activator. And I didn't even know this because when I was a newer leader, I had no idea about strengths. I mean, now I know what it was, but activators, we just want to jump in and we want to fix things. We want to get to the problem, we want to get started on things. And I realized I would do that to people and overwhelm them. And I probably scared a lot of people away with that. So coming on just too, too forceful sometimes. Um, also, one of the things, and again, it goes back, now I know what it was, but I didn't know at the time I'm definitely a freedom and choices type of person. I love spontaneity. I love um, having freedom every day to kind of create my own schedule. And I try to run my team that way. And about 80% of people are not like that. 80% of people like consistency, they like to know what's happening tomorrow, next week, next month, next quarter, and and I really let them down because I would be well. We'll figure it out next week, and and it didn't matter to me. And I thought everybody else felt the same way. And I it it really wasn't until probably five years ago that I realized like oh this is really not how I should be running things. That they they needed consistency. That I failed to provide for them. And I realized that that was a huge thing. That was really a biggie, that I didn't do. Um, And also just not really, again, a lot goes back to listening. Um, Another time I remember, again, I didn't know this at the time, you know, I'll keep saying that. and, And this, I guess, is probably why I'm such, as I'm saying this, why I'm such an advocate for strengths, because I, had I known I probably could have fixed things sooner, but I also lead with high strategic. So my brain automatically goes into solution. It's like, I, I picture this like computer, you know, with a little scan, if somebody has a problem or there's something we're working on, I can immediately see the whole, see the problems. Okay, this is how we need to do it. This is the plan. Let's, this is what we're gonna do. And I remember actually having a conversation with one of my team members, and I don't really remember exactly what it was we were working on, but a way to build our businesses. And her actually coming to me and saying, Sherry, I don't think like you, I need the plan. I don't get it. And cause my answer had been like, this is what you need to do. You'll figure out the how to just go do it. You'll figure it out along the way. And, and she's like, "No, I won't. Tell me how to do this." So that was a, that was a big learning experience for me of realizing I can't assume they know how to figure it out all the time. that their minds don't work the same way as mine.
1: That's that you know, it's it's funny because as you're listening. I'm thinking of different stories in my head where I did similar things. Again, based upon gifts that I actually can bring, However, if I'm not aware, to your point, I love the fact that you said, you know, that not everybody's like that, uh, because, and it's, and it's, uh, I always use the term, uh, good intentions can be bad impact. Intentions and impact are two different things. And where you start from is good intention. You want to help solve the problem. You wanted to give freedom, but that's not what they needed. And that that beautiful example of where your staff member came to you and said, Sherry, Sherry, is not what I need? I need this. Right.
2: Right. I was very grateful that she said that to me because that was like this big eye opener to me that's like, oh yeah, not everybody can see the same thing I see. And, and I was so grateful that she, again, was brave enough to come to me and say, no, I don't see this. Help me. Um, my approach wasn't working with her. So
0: I think that's, uh, that's such a wonderful insight to get. And I don't believe people think enough about this. Greg and I were talking about this last week on the podcast. Greg and I are totally different, you know, and we've had to figure out how to do this podcast, even though we're very different and we approach everything in a very different way. Um, and, and you know, that, uh, building of a relationship with the people you're working with, it's so important to understand how they approach problems. Uh, what's their background, even have coming from different backgrounds like Greg and I do, uh, it could cause conflict. It also brings in a lot of stuff into the conversation of different viewpoints, different experiences. I think that's fantastic. I, a lot of leaders probably need to sit down and think about that. Oh, I'm dealing with Greg today. What's Greg like? Oh, yeah, we've had a couple conversations. He's very thoughtful. Okay. I need to be careful when I'm talking here that I don't uh, dominate the conversation and don't give him a space uh, to talk now that's not greg i'm just using that as an example because greg would just jump in and talk anyway but but you know I, th- I think you know that having that that thought before you enter into a conversation uh with a person or a group you know what am i like what are they like and how are we going to get a good conversation on the table and work these things out where everybody can contribute and feel comfortable contributing so that i don't dominate or i just don't assume that they know how to get there
2: right Right, exactly. And it just reminds me of one of the things I've um, heard recently a couple of times is, you know, as leaders, as managers, as people, we shouldn't be well-rounded. We're not created to be well-rounded. We are one-sided. We see things our, from our vantage point. I mean, life life helps us expand that <clears throat> horizon a little bit. But as teams we should create well-rounded teams so that really in the ideal work situation you shouldn't have the same point of view as somebody else you shouldn't behave the same way those are going to be the most productive working scenarios when you have all those different but going back to what you're saying Alistair then yes you have to know and respect how the other person operates so you can bring your best to the table um, and everybody can and that's how the the best organizations are going to be run.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And it is funny, as you say, you have to get to know people because of course uh, Alistair, uh, you know, Alistair is more structured than I am and he kind of helps us keep on track. And then Greg, Uh, Doesn't follow the the prearranged questions you're supposed to ask, like we did today as well. So I know, Alistair, you're uh, laughing in your in your in your in your uh, head quietly. Oh yeah, here's an example. But but I I I think it's time that we shift over to the strengths because I really think this is where the power is. And uh, as you talked about, how do you honor under first know yourself but then uh, understand each other and then honor and leverage that. That's make that well-rounded team that you talked about that can be powerful. And I've had the great opportunity to be a part of that, but I'd love you to talk a little bit more about strength-based leaderships. So why is it important and a and, uh, little bit of a framework around it and what you're seeing.
2: Right, right. And I kind of already alluded a little bit to, you know, my own strengths, but, and for those that totally are not familiar with the strengths based leadership at all, where I come from, it's from Gallup's Clifton Strengths, also known as Strengths Finders. And it has been around for decades. It's been tweaked, it's been um, changed to get what they have today. And it's a great assessment. And I always highly recommend, I do not get paid from Gallup to say this, nor do I get paid if you go and take it. (laughs) But I highly recommend people take the time to go in and actually take the full assessment from Gallup. And it's really going to tell you what your natural talents or themes are. And there's 34 of them. And again, Gallup has studied positive, well, Don Clifton, the founder, of the Clifton Strengths studied positive psychology for decades. And he partnered up with Gallup to create this assessment. And it shows you without a doubt what your natural talents or themes are. And I recommend you take the assessment because a lot of times we don't recognize what our natural talents and strengths are going back to my scenario with the strategic thinking. I assumed everybody could think like I did, and they don't. And that's what's happening with most managers or leaders. We're sitting, sitting there wondering what's wrong with them because they don't think the way I think. But when you take the assessment you can see clearly again in black and white. There's no question about it. Oh, I think this way because what Gallup, what the strengths finders or Clifton strengths is measuring is how you naturally think, feel, and behave. It's, I call it your thumbprint, it's your DNA. Um, most of us can even go back to childhood memories of, oh, yeah, I see where that was showing up back when I was a kid. So we discover as the leaders and managers first, who we are. And then ideally, at least your direct reports have them take it. And then you can look at their assessments like, Oh, well, I didn't even know Greg had this talent, you know, or it's a lot of times it's like, Oh, that's why he gets so annoyed when I do that. That's why that bothers him. Um, So it's, it's, so vital to really know that because you could guess at it and there's a few things you can do to kind of know your style. Like you guys were already saying, you know, Alistair likes to stick to the schedule. Greg's a little more freedom, flexibility there. But when you really see it in black and white, it, it just really brings it all more in focus. Um, so strengths-based leadership is, again, first knowing who you are at your absolute best. What are your natural talents and strengths? And then as a leader finding out what your team members are and then finding out how the whole team operates, going back to that well-rounded team, because then we can see, oh, well, you know, we have this project coming up where we really need to brainstorm. We need the best plans. We need the best strategic thinking. So you pull in those people that have good strategic thinking, or maybe if you have customer service, you want the people with high relationship building themes To be at the forefront of the company for customer service. Um, So it's really helping figure out where to put the right people in the right position or to just tap into their talents. Even if you're all doing the same exact same job and giving them that freedom to do it there in their own natural way, you're going to get better results and everybody's a heck of a lot happier when you can do that.
1: Yeah, I love that because, you know, one of the things, you know, when we're growing up in business, you know, it used to be that we focused on where are your development opportunities and there's a lot of time spent on development opportunities um, versus what I love about strength based leadership. It is understand what you're good at um, and, and declare it and focus find alignment to roles and ideas and those things where you have that. I think, I think it's in the book, the original book. This is a story that's in the back of my mind. And I tell this, but now you can clarify whether it's real or not, but there's a story of uh, Tiger Woods and uh, Tiger Woods, when he was golfing, he actually um, I think it was his sand wedge game wasn't as good. Um, And so he brought it up to a level that it was good enough. Uh, that wasn't hindering him, and then he focused all of his efforts on the things that he was really great at. His his iron game and his driver and his putting were his just his strengths. But but uh, uh, what I, I've always loved about the strength based concept and idea is that when I I did begin to understand who I was and what I brought and what my unique strengths were. Then I could surround myself as a leader with those who had complementary skills and, to your point, bring people in and around um, uh, organizations and teams and focus areas that had their strengths. I think this is such a powerful thing, and it links to our, as a manager, if you can discover who you are and using a tool like this. Um, that allows you to be a stronger manager, a stronger leader and show up in a better way.
2: Right. Absolutely. And I'm not 100% on the Tiger Woods story, but that's a perfect example of exactly what it, what it is uh, with the strengths. And, you know, again, Gallup has studied positive psychology. They study a lot of things, but, you know, it's been proven that if you work on the areas of your, that you're not strong in, your areas of weakness, they're only going to get so, so good. You're never going to excel at them. But if you hone in and focus in on what you're already naturally talented at and what's already in your DNA, um, you can become exceptional, truly become exceptional. And that really makes the difference of the strengths-based versus the approach a lot of people want to take.
0: I really like this because... uh... I've always worked uh, either in law enforcement or in the regulatory world. And quite often you would work with one other person or three or four other people in a team. And uh, so many of those experiences were good. And I'm hoping it's by design. Most often I didn't get a choice of who I worked with. You know, somebody we were put together by somebody else. And I'm hoping it was by design because I have a whole history of people that I worked with where it just worked out really well. On the surface, you wouldn't think, you know, maybe socially we weren't connected at all, but you put us together and after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you realize this person has the skills I don't and I have the skills they don't. And between the two of us or the four of us, depending on what scenario I was working in, how big the matter was and how complex, I loved that diversity, the the whole idea of, okay, we need to bring this skill set in, we need this personality, we need these abilities and just the thought to bring together the group that's going to solve whatever the problem is. And it isn't always about like, um, or favoritism. It is about, you know, realizing, you know, who I am and what I bring to the table and what, you know, what deficits I have and who can do those things and how can we work together. I really like this idea. And I like the idea of, of designing, of designing the team that's going to do it, whether it's two people or four people, or there's times when I've worked on something where there's 17, 20 people, I really like the idea that we give some thought into, you know, what am I good at? What am I not good at? Um, maybe there's a few things I need to bring up a little bit, like the Tiger Woods story. I, I really cringe when you said golf, Greg, because there isn't anything I, I, that I don't need to work on at the moment. But uh, uh, I, I really like that idea of putting thought into it. And uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about a system that you found very beneficial. I just like the whole concept of it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. My husband's a professional firefighter. So that whole realm of police firemen, um, we're actually doing the high high performing team strengths-based program with his new captains right now. And it's been very, we're just one session into it, but just seeing what their natural strengths are. So as a team, again, if they have a big fire, they're on another, you know, major EMS program, or sometimes it's the relationships in the firehouse, they're going to learn how to operate within their own strengths, but then also operate as a platoon and help each other out. So they have that best platoon that they can be. So it fits anywhere, really.
1: Well, and how important it is, is in that scenario that folks really understand uh, and probably innately kind of move in those things when you're in emergency, you kind of sometimes you drop everything aside and you kind of naturally go but to understand it and have shared language now in the fire hall that helps you understand it. There's so much power in that um, uh, idea for sure. And I, I think that common language is often something that is really important, because then we it naturally you naturally connect and you can understand and it. it helps in the relationship building as well.
2: Yeah, the common language is huge piece of the whole Clifton strengths because once a, a you know one person does it, and even in our my husband and I's marriage, you know he now speaks Clifton strengths with me. So and, and two years ago he had no idea what I was talking about, and now that they're bringing it to the firehouse, they'll be able to speak like you said, speak that language and understand when they say, oh well, Tom has high empathy. They know what that means or somebody has high deliberative, they know what that means. Um, And it just becomes this really different layer of respecting people's differences and that everybody brings something to the table because all 34 talents and themes, there is not one that's better than the other. And there's not one that says, ooh, if you have that, well, then you can go do X, Y, and Z and you're gonna excel. It doesn't work that way. It's that if you have these talents, then this is gonna be your path to the same place I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna take this path because that's how my talents go. And we can get to the same spot and we can all be great leaders no matter what our talents and themes are, but we just have to show up as our authentic best selves Based on our own unique talents and strengths, um, it gets muddy. And these were challenges. Again, I was doing when I was a newer leader, not knowing any of this. That when we try to mimic somebody else's way of leading, that's where we get into trouble.
0: We've talked about that a couple times, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, uh, where somebody goes to some uh, uh, seminar somewhere and picks up a pamphlet or a book, comes back, and then you know. You know, who are you? And I I love that journey to figure out who we are and how we fit into the picture. And maybe there's a few things that we need to go out and practice and and bring up our our game a little bit so that we are a little bit more
1: well-rounded. I I really like that. Sorry, Greg. No, I'm just going to say I also love the idea that as a manager, sometimes in our podcast, people would ask the questions or think about, well, well, what do I need who do I need to be to be the best manager? What is the profile for me to be the best manager? And and, uh, I think what you're saying is the profile is you. Uh, understand who you are and understanding how you show up, Uh, be curious and open to the folks you work with and understand them. That's a great manager, a great leader. Um, It's when we try, as Alistair said, try to be someone we're not, try to fit into something that we're not comfortable with. It it leaks out, (laughs) you know, people can see it. And the more you can just really be yourself, and I think key is, and especially in our world today, we're pretty diver- divisive um, societies these days. The more we can be comfortable of who we are, be brave enough to share who we are, but also be open enough to be curious about who someone else is, because um, often those those barriers, those conflicts that happen are just misunderstanding of the messages and how we're showing up. So I think really you're, this, this is such a great um, tool and approach to, to help with that.
2: Right. Absolutely. And I have to chuckle Alistair because I'm that person that goes and every year I would, you know, we'd go to these big conferences and you would hear somebody on stage in the position I wanted to be in and, okay, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do everything like she did, blah, blah, blah. And that didn't work. And then the next year, it's the same thing over and over and over again, or, a lot of times in other work scenarios, you're handed that manual of this is our company's leadership manual. Well, it was written one sided, it was written by one person, normally, maybe a couple people of how to be a successful leader in that company. And that may not work for us.
0: Well, I remember, I think the biggest lesson I ever got was, uh, it was in the police, and I'd been promoted, I was a road supervisor, and I Uh, We didn't go for that supervisor management course until almost a year in. And so I went out and, you know, I was experienced. I had uh, investigative experience, experience on the road. And I went, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to go do what I do. And uh, I remember it was going really well. Uh, My bosses were happy with me, but I got taken aside by a couple other people, my own rank. And they said, what are you doing out there? What do you mean, what am I doing out there? I'm doing what I do. So we don't like what you're doing. "Oh." good for you. Um, I know what I'm good at. I know how I approach things and I'm just doing that, these, you know, enhanced duties, the way that I do stuff and the way that I feel comfortable and I think, uh, I'm good at. So, uh, see you later. And it wasn't a very nice exchange and nothing ever more happened about it, but I realized, uh, by necessity, because I hadn't really taken any management courses or supervision courses that, okay, I'm, um, well, you know, Alistair this is now Alistair that, and it's still Alistair, so I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to be myself and go and do what I do, and deal with people the way that I've always dealt with people, although now I can actually tell them what to do, but, uh, just work it out uh, inside myself and remember you know 10 11 months later um i end up going to a management course and going like i'm not doing it that way there's no way man it's it's not going to work for me so i by necessity found myself in a situation where i just had to be myself because i didn't know what else to do but i i love that idea when you start talking about stuff i went i have seen so many leaders show up at a meeting somewhere it's like you know like three or four minutes in what book did they read? We need to figure out what this book is. We need to know what the antidote to it is.
2: Exactly. Right. Right. And it's all good. I mean, we need to read books. We need to yeah. do those things. There's a lot of great things out there, but it is. Um, we can't forget exactly. ourselves.
0: We can't forget ourselves.
2: No, and we have to read it. And this is what I tell a lot of my, you know, the the people that I'm coaching is, okay, if you're going to a conference look at everything through the lens of your talents. And if you're reading a book, same thing, look, you know, read it through the lens of your own personal talents and you'll take away the right nuggets that you're supposed to take away.
1: Yeah. I always think about uh, how many people, and I know through my career, I did the same thing where I adapted and I didn't follow my true self and it's like it's like friction you know you just you just you're kind of pushing against her gravity i don't know so i'm trying to think of the best description but you're just it's a slog and uh, um the earlier you can understand and articulate and align the less friction you'll have and the more Uh, and you may have to leave. You may have to leave organization to go someplace else. You might have to shift roles, but um, I'd love, I'd love, have you had experiences, Sherry, where you've helped people see their strengths, discover their strengths and see those big aha shifts of, oh my goodness, what have I been doing? Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, You know, one One woman just, it was her confidence. She just, she had a picture of what a great leader looks like. And she even had team members of hers that she would say, well, she's going to be a great leader because she's blah, blah, blah. She's going to be a great leader because she does this, but I'm not a good leader because I'm this way. And it was that we dove into her strengths. And I'm like, you have strengths leadership. It just looks different than theirs. So get that picture of what a great leader looks like out of your head. And embrace your own talents and you're going to be an amazing leader. So that really just, she just needed that confidence boost for her. Um, And then like my husband, now that he's a strengths fanatic, even we laugh because I have high command. His command is very low. And that bothered him when he took, he's like, well, wait, I command a fire scene. What do you mean? I have low command. Like I command all the time on the job. It's like, well, it's a different command. Um, But he has high empathy. And now that we, he knows that, and he's aware of it, and he's willingly embraced his empathy because he didn't like having high empathy in the beginning. When he saw that, that bothered him, that he had high empathy, because again, as an Alistair, you can probably relate to this, that, you know, in that field, you don't want to be known as the person with empathy. You want to be the person with command. Um, but now that he's leaned into it and he's owning his empathy, it has made him a better leader because he really understands and feels what his guys are feeling so he can lead them better. Um, so that's been just really fun to watch that unfold. And, you know, I have a front row seat to that one. So it's it's pretty cool. Well,
0: I have actually a unique uh, situation. Cause I actually went to s- school for social work. I worked in a group home, so I have always embraced the empathy side of things because whether you're a suspect or a victim or a witness in an interview room, I appear to be your friend. I appear to care and I do, but, uh, using that approach when you're talking to people, I find makes people more open to actually telling you what's going on. So I've always embraced that training, that experience from my path. Past because that's who you are. Like, you know, I think, you know, we're going to just do some takeaways and I'll just go first. My takeaway is you are who you are. There's things you can learn. There's knowledge you can gain experience techniques, but at the end of the day, you're still who you are and, uh, you should embrace that and, and use it. Sherry.
2: So my takeaways for today, um, again, same thing, like just, you know, find out who you are, <laughs> And again, I don't get paid to say this. I don't get paid to have you take it. Just go really invest in yourself and in your leadership and take the full 34 assessment too from Gallup and really dive into who you are at your best. Lean into it. Um, You know, Gallup's magic formula is talents times investment equals strengths. So find out what your natural talents are. Invest in them like Tiger Woods. And they will become your strengths that will carry you through to your success. And it's going to be way more fun when you do that.
0: Gregory?
1: Yeah, the other thing that I, so, you know, for years I've been a big strength fan and a discovery that myself, by the way, mine are strategic, positivity, woo, connectedness and communication big surprise I, big surprise yeah, big surprise oh actually my, my, my wife just said I said oh she read she read the report she says oh yeah 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 so it's pretty good but the other thing I was thinking about is that when I coach often when I uh, when I help folks discover what the unique and but I'll ask them to think back around their highest moments in their life to date And before they can name these things, often their experiences are they're living these things. Because I think, Sherry, you said they're innate. These are things that are within you. And uh, if you go back and look at your life, the things that were highest moments, the things that you really felt that you were, you know, in flow and that type of thing, often you're living your strengths, Uh, and you just don't see them at the time or you don't have words to describe them. So the sooner you can do that, the sooner you can invest in them, um, the more you can do more of them. So I think that is for me, uh, uh, the final kind of observation that I would say.
2: Right, right. Can I just add one more thing on that? Is that okay? Okay. The flow. Yeah, flow is huge. You are, when those days that you know you are in the flow, you're working in your talents and strengths. Those are days versus those days that you come home and you are totally exhausted, you're drained. You're, you just don't even want to go back again. You're probably working in your bottom talents that day. Mm.
0: Well, that fits in with what Greg said about 30 minutes ago, you know, you sit there and you're all just conflicted and and you're, you're not in the right place. You're not doing the right thing. You're not approaching it the right way, whatever that is. That's so true. That's so true. Now, Sherry, um, this is the commercial time. What do you got going on? What do you do? Uh, what do you offer people if people want to connect with you and discuss stuff? Uh, what's the scene?
2: I, well, I do a couple of different things. If you're just curious to know your, your Clifton strengths and You've done the assessment and you're looking at it i don't even know how to read this i don't know what to do with this now i do offer just a 90 minute quick call that we just dive into it you really learn what are your natural talents and strengths so it's it's as simple as that that's great for really anybody but my joy and my love is really working with the leaders to figure out like how can you tap into your talents to be a better leader and then how can we create a high-performing team and do a whole program around that Um, so those are different things I do. I do have, um, also a little quick workbook you can go through goes back kind of what Greg was just, um, mentioning too, that it'll take you through some questions that you can reflect on about flow and different things like that and help you figure out like, what are your, we call them the domains, your natural leadership style doesn't cost you a thing. And I'd be happy to share that with any of the listeners that are you know, kind of curious, but not ready to invest yet.
0: Well, if you, you send me some links and stuff like that, I'll put it in the show notes so people can uh, reach out and connect with you if they want. And I'd just like to really thank you for uh, coming on the show today. We're going to just go into a closing in a second, but before we get into that, uh, this has been great. I, I didn't know you until uh, today and uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Greg.
1: Oh yeah, no, I mean, uh, I knew it was going to be a great conversation because Sharon and I have had some some just check-ins And, you know, we leave with energy lifted and uh, excited because I think we're trying to contribute to the same thing, creating opportunities for people to be their best and help. And that's discovering who they are. And so I'm grateful that you took the time to participate with us. We'll definitely share your information. And I'd again encourage folks to, uh, you know, seek to understand who you are and uh, focus on your strengths. And uh, um, it's a great it's a great opportunity and do it sooner than later, the sooner you can do it, the more time you have to apply it.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me on the show. I I enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you for having me sit at the table with you.
0: (laughs) That's great. Now, listen, uh, I hope uh, that uh, you, the listeners, found what we're talking about uh, helpful. We hope that we didn't say anything that you found offensive or made you angry. But Greg, your uh, philosophy, I think, lands well on this episode as well.
1: Yeah, I always end the episode saying that, you know, when Early on in my coaching, uh, being coached, actually, I discovered this great opportunity that uh, I or insight that uh, we learn as much from when we're peeved as we do when we're feeling joy. And sometimes, you know, when my coach would say something that would kind of get me churny, um, uh, those were times when I needed to pause and reflect and learn from them. So sometimes you learn as much from the churn as we do from the joy. We hope each of our podcasts provide you a little bit of joy saying, "Oh yeah, I am doing those things right. But it might also get you a little churning uh, to say, you know what, maybe I am not focusing on my strengths. Maybe, maybe I need to dive deeper into this. And how do I learn more? So we hope that you get a little bit of joy, and maybe a little bit of churn, but uh, that you with both of those you learn from it.
0: And just so, you know, our listeners understand, you know, this podcast is is designed to take you to both those places because we think that that is where you learn in both of those places. So I think, Greg, we need to do a shout out. And I know I'm just going to butcher the name of this city. I think it's in New York. Schenectady? Oh, I don't know if I said it properly, but uh, they snuck into the rankings. So welcome to the team.
1: That is awesome. Yes, I think I have been there, driven through it. So that is very cool. That's awesome. Welcome.
0: So, folks, um, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time.
1: Take care.